Hello and welcome to the latest Clear Cruise podcast. Up this week, Andy talks with Jess and Angela from APT about the river cruise sector. But first, after touring Royal Caribbean's Independence of the Seas, I sat down with Director of Environmental Programs, Nick Rose. Enjoy. So we are here on board the Independence of the Seas. I'm here with Nick. Nick, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Uh, tell us about today and who you are and what's going on. So Nick Rose, Director of Environmental Programs for Royal Caribbean Cruise Limited. I'm also the CLIA Global Environmental Committee Chair. Um, was on board today to give a tour of the environmental aspects of not only the ship but also of the cruise industry. So so what, what do you think are the main, the key objectives for, for Royal Caribbean and sustainability of the cruise industry? Uh, so the first one is our shipboard operations, making sure that we're always uh, operating our ship to the most efficient standpoint that it can be, whether it's through emissions or wastewater or waste. Uh, the second one B is, is working with local communities to make sure that when our guests get off that they're obviously um, set up to be the most sustainable uh, destination that we can be in. Right, and what do you think is the biggest sort of misconception of sustainability? Um, is that just because we're big and we're shiny and we come in that we're not necessarily sustainable. You know, uh, I think that's one of the most misconceived uh, aspects that we have. We have, yes, we do carry a lot of people, but you know, because of how we operate, we are a sustainable way of travel. And what do you think is the most important thing for, for travel agents to sort of understand about what you're doing to these ships? Yeah, I think it's to get travel agents to um, understand what what each company does and what key, what each company can offer specifically within CLIA um, and, and how that we as a whole organization do try to uh, operate the most sustainable as possible. So we, we spent some time in the engine control room which is basically like the heart of the ship. It kind of makes everything, make sure everything works and then we went and saw the waste handling facility. Um, from the engine control room you can basically control the entire ship so that's where you saw a lot of the technical aspects. Yeah, I was really, did. really surprised to see how small the uh, the waste area was. Yeah, there, um, you're not the first person that said that to me. There's been a lot of people going, this is it, this is the only room, but yes. Because of how we operate, uh, mostly single stream, meaning all waste goes into one waste bin and then it's organized down in the waste facility. Because of how we have it set up, um, it, it allows it to be the smallest footprint that it can be, but still big enough to operate in, in a certain way. And because we have the way that, that we can process the waste, whether it's glass, cardboard, or plastic, it, it allows us to uh, make the most of every foot of, or square foot of, or square meter that we have. Nick, thank you very much. No problem, thank you. So I'm joined by Jess and Angela from APT. Why don't you introduce yourselves? I will. So I'm Angela from APT and I'm Head of Sales and Commercial for the UK um, and I've been working for APT for around 12 years now and always been looking after our trade partners here. Uh, so I'm Jess, I'm National Sales Manager and um, I work along with our Account Managers and On-Road team looking after all of our fabulous uh, travel agent partners here in the UK. I have been with APT for six years and throughout that time um, have enjoyed many uh, APT River Cruise. And APT River Cruises are everywhere around the world are they? So we've got river cruises um, in Europe and also in Asia, um, along the Mekong in Asia, the Irrawaddy in Myanmar, and we also offer some China river cruises as well. 
And most of your guests are British and Australian, or are they globally sourced? They're mostly British and Australian. Um, tend to be of the 40-plus demographic. Um, really, people who are looking for um, a combination of a cruise and a tour, especially if you're going to Asia. Yeah, the great thing about river cruising in Asia particularly is it does attract a guest who perhaps is completely new to cruise and who has never done an ocean cruise or a river cruise. And it also attracts those escorted touring guests because it combines the best of both. Worlds. And I was going to say, why does it attract those new mm. to cruise guests? Is it because it's something... It's something a little bit different. It's um, getting off the beaten track. And one thing that I would say to our trade partners is, um, you'll have guests that come in and say, look, we want to go to Vietnam or Cambodia. They may not have ever thought of a river cruise, so suggest that to them, okay. because it is something a little bit different with the pre and post land stays. And you can really get to villages that you wouldn't be able to get to had you be doing a holiday by land or in any other way. Mm, I, I think for me, that's one of my mm. uh, real favourite things about doing a, a river cruise on the Mekong in particular, because you just have that ability to get right into the heart of little villages. And actually, you cover some main highlights, um, Ho Chi Minh City, Phnom Penh, Siem Reap. So you get to cover those main highlights, sunrise at Angkor Wat with a, with a glass of bubbly. Um, but for me, the bit that really got me most when I first travelled on the Mekong was experiencing local life along the river. We stop at a little place called uh, Tan Chow, and you, you get off the little ship and you walk through the... Um, through the local village, the children are running to school, yeah. they're all waving at you, it's just the most the gorgeous thing you'll ever see. adjust the friendliest, the smiley faces. Yeah. Also the beauty of it is um, the ships hold approximately 108 guests, so it's quite an intimate cruising experience. And when you arrive in these villages, you break up um, into small groups and uh, you'll experience the, the village and there's generally no other tourists there, so everyone's warm, friendly and welcoming. So in terms of the differences between European river cruising and the Mekong, for example, mm. ship size is, off, is obviously one of them, but what other differences are there? I would say the biggest difference is the accessibility um, to the, the docks and how we dock. That's very different. You don't have the same infrastructure on the Mekong that we do um, in the European cities. So you will literally put the anchor down, um, get into a little tender and perhaps ah. tender ashore. Okay. So um, don't worry, the crew are there to help our guests and, and look after sort of all the detail. Um, or we might um, dock just on the riverbank and literally a plank of wood goes down with some rope and you're straight out there onto the grassy verge. It's all very safe though. So. No and does that mean that you need to be of a certain physical mm, condition? Definitely. You need to be able to manage stairs and uneven surfaces because um, while you're walking through the different villages and things, um, it is on uneven surfaces and things. So and let's do a couple of the basics. So season-wise, what's mm -hmm. the best time to do the Mekong? I would say November through to March is probably okay. peak yep. season. Uh, okay. Yep, best weather at that time of year. And the weather they're likely to experience is hot and dry. Mm. Okay. Whereas August, when I went, it was damp and um, <laughs> rather damp. Is putting that. That's a nice, polite way to. And rather humid. So okay. definitely for sort of the the most um, enjoyable experience that November December. Okay. And the start points and end points tend to be where. So the start points generally. Um, would be Ho Chi Minh City and then you'd cruise up the river to Siem Reap or you can also do it in the reverse direction. Okay. Now with APT we can make uh, longer extension holidays uh, throughout Asia so if your guests do want to explore a little bit more of Vietnam we can most certainly help it's with that. It's an incredible city. Oh, 
How did you cope crossing the road? Loved crossing the road <laughs> in, a, in a kind of fear, dangerous uh, fear, and uh, it was amazing. It's an amazing city. It yeah. was fantastic, and it was great to be able to showcase Asia River Cruising. It's yeah. still developing, um, and there's still so much opportunity for agents to be out there selling it. And are all the cities that you visit on a Mekong cruise the same as Ho Chi Minh, or are they all different? They're all different in their own right, and I think you know once you get down to Siem Reap and you've got all the um, archaeological sites out there to go and see it's it's quite an incredible experience actually you don't understand the vastness of it all you mm. think uh, Siem Reap is just all about Angkor Wat but there's so much more to it um, and I think the cities and the, the towns and villages that you visit change as you travel through Vietnam to Cambodia or vice versa and I thought the Vietnamese were really friendly and then we arrived into Cambodia yeah. and they were just as friendly and welcoming and some of the history that comes with a visit to Phnom Penh is uh, very sobering and yeah. um, interesting to, to learn about. And can you notice that difference as you're sailing down the Mekong? Yes, you can. You can? Yeah, definitely. In what way? Some of the scenery that changes, the width of the river can change a little bit. But I would say the key thing that I noticed was the change in the in the people. And although the everyone was really friendly, yeah. just when you got into Cambodia, the, the welcome. I think every day our tour guides, and um, at APT we use local tour guides in all of the destinations that we go to. But they were so welcoming and they were, thank you so much for coming and A, spending your holiday time here and B, spending your holiday money. So mm-hmm. they were... And so in terms of major attractions en route, are there mm-hmm. big kind of bucket list stuff that you do on, on mm-hmm. a Mekong cruise? So uh, a couple of the major attractions will be pre and post. So the Coochie Tunnels, um, which uh, is where you can go and learn about the Vietnamese yeah. War. Now, they have been made ever so slightly larger for us um, tourists to, right. to get in. <laughs> um, and should you wish to go through them, you can. And then I would say another one of the highlights would be Angkor Wat. But a visit to Phnom Penh is also a highlight in some of the, the museums and things that you can explore there. But there are the, the bucket list ones, and I think everything else that you see should be a bucket list one, but it's not just, it doesn't have that bucket list yeah. title. Yeah, and as I said before, even when we talk to our clients when they come back, it's not just those bucket list mm-hmm. items that has really made their trip, it's those real off-the-beaten-track experiences mm-hmm. as well. So day in the life of a river cruise on the Mekong, is that different to what you would expect on, on Europe? In it, Europe, sorry. Yeah, you know, it might be a bit warmer um, at <laughs> different times of year. Yeah. Um, and I, because I went in the sort of the warmer months, we were often the ship quite early in the morning uh, in order to, to get out there before it got too warm. Um, but I would say generally the structure of the day is quite similar. Of course you've got fabulous dining um, on board. The excursions are a little bit more um, active I suppose okay. with, with the way that you, the modes of transport. For example with us you'll, you'll ride in a tuk-tuk, um, you can do an ox cart trip, so there's lots of different modes. But the general day-to-day is quite similar to Europe. Would yeah. you I would agree definitely Mm. I think just to touch on what Jess is saying about the dining there that is quite different to to being in Europe Um, and and back in 2008 APT set up a partnership with Luke Nguyen who you'll remember Andy we hosted everybody (laughs) amazing chef yeah Yeah. amazing uh, Australian Vietnamese chef Um, we hosted all the delegates at his restaurant called Vietnam House in Ho Chi Minh City and so we set up a partnership with him because we really wanted our customers to really truly experience the um, local cuisine, local Vietnamese mm. cuisine, and experience it firsthand. So he personally has designed our welcome dinner for all of our guests oh, right. on board our APT cruises. Um, he has also um, designed a, a, a degustation dinner, which mm. is for 
for our clients in our fine dining restaurant. And then everybody who travels with us on our APT product gets to experience um, Luke's restaurant, Vietnam House in Ho Chi Minh City for themselves. So it's an amazing signature experience, which they love. So I think one of the awesome things about Luke's amazing, but about the food on board is you can have um, noodle soup for breakfast, lunch and dinner. So you can truly immerse yourself in the culture should you wish to. But you can have bacon and eggs too. Yes. Or an omelette. So there's plenty of of choice. And I think um, being out with our agent partners and talking to prospective guests, that's one of the things that makes them most nervous is, what am I going to eat? There is something out there for everyone. Absolutely. And Asian food is incredible. It is. Yeah, definitely. And the the restaurant, I shouldn't keep talking about Luke, but he was amazing. (laughs) And and the food at his restaurant was incredible too. Yeah, Yeah, he was. So everyone gets a little bit of a Luke experience. And, And Luke has come over to Europe this yeah. yeah, he mm. is. He's um, he's going to be hosting a couple of our Bordeaux cruises mm-hmm. um, in 2019. Oh, yeah, okay. fantastic. He has a real strong connection with France and Paris. Oh, of course, yes. um, So, yeah, he's, he's going to be hosting our, our cruises in, in Bordeaux. Do you find that once people have cruised, uh, river cruised the Mekong, that they river cruise other places or that they continue river cruising? Yeah, I think so. Um, that, you know, often people will then look um, at other rivers. So certainly there will be a movement across to Myanmar and across to China. Um, and, and also then there's those who have never done a river cruise before but want you know ended up on a Mekong cruise because it was that combination between a touring and a cruising holiday and then have bought into the idea of going on a river cruise and then come back and said you know what I'm going to go a bit closer to home I'm going to go to Europe so there's definitely a crossover. Well I'm ready to visit I'm ready to right. cruise the Mekong so thank you for explaining it today. Thank, thank you. you. You're welcome thanks. So that's all from us this week. Thanks again to Jess, Angela, Nick and Andy for taking part in the latest episode. Let us know what you thought by tagging us on social media or by using the hashtag ClearPod. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and stay up to date with each brand new episode as it happens. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've been Toby Cruz. Happy cruising.